Hey everyone, it's Blake, and welcome in to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, we welcome back our friend Steve Cook, uh, who joins to talk about a lot of different things in the world of professional wrestling. We jumped around from a lot of different stuff that's happening right now uh, in wrestling, whether it's WWE, Impact Wrestling, uh, Ring of Honor, AEW, on and on and on. Uh, We touched on a lot of different things, including uh, who shot Johnny Bravo uh, in Impact Wrestling, what is the WWE Survivor Series card looking like, and what are some of the things that uh, we look at with that card that stand out for us. Um, Also, AEW, uh, Full Gear, that card has been announced, uh, a very stacked card for AEW. Uh, So some thoughts on AEW. Thunder Rosa, who has been uh, a hot topic on social media and uh, the rumor mill uh, here as of late in terms of her future in wrestling and many other things. So we jumped around to a lot, uh, a fun and very entertaining uh, discussion with Steve, as always, um, and hopefully... You get a little laughter out of it uh, along the way. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into the discussion with the one and only Steve Cook. All right, as promised, uh, our guest today is the one and only Steve Cook, who was coming off fresh off of an appearance on uh, Dissecting Dynamite, which uh, if you're an AEW fan, uh, hopefully you got a chance to check that out on the 411 Mania YouTube channel. Uh, Steve, great to have you back. And uh, the one question I'm going to ask you, we're leading off here with the big question of the week. And that is, who shot John E. Bravo? Ah, ah, that is the (laughs) $64,000 question. The mystery that has uh, driven wrestling fans wild for the past couple of days. And um, I'm going to start off with a plug for myself already because (laughs) I'm plugging an article (laughs) I did here from thechairshot.com where I broke down who I thought the top top five suspects were. And um, I'm just going to tell you right now that my number one choice who I think shot Johnny Bravo. It's, you know, if you go back through the annals of time, if you go back through uh, sports entertainment history, we've had different mysteries, right? We've had different uh, storylines wondering who did what or who was this mystery person. And uh, two of the most important ones in recent years involve the illegitimate son of Vince McMahon and also the anonymous Raw general manager. And I believe the answer to those two questions is the same answer here. I'm telling you right now, I'm calling it, I think Swaggle shot Johnny Bravo. Oh, that would be great. And of course, I, I had to pull this article up while uh, you were talking about it because I wanted to, to see these top five here. So uh, we're not going to give them all away, though. I, I want people to read it. So we're not going to give them all away, but you do have Swaggle's number one. Uh, you have Rosemary at number two. Uh, so those are the top two. We won't give up away all five, but uh, I guess we did give away the biggest ones. But that, that's an interesting yes. thought. So... <laughs> And Rosemary, uh, Rosemary's an interesting option because uh, if you watched her during the whole thing breaking down, she looked pretty chill about the whole thing. She looked very chill. She was all uh, she did not look like she had a problem in the road. And I also picked up on the fact that while Father James Mitchell was doing a spiel, doing the wedding stuff, he mentioned a couple times about how Johnny Bravo had a virgin, virginal blood. And, you know, virginal blood is something that a lot of people. And Impact Wrestling can uh, can use, and quite frankly, I I think that uh, Rosemary's interest in Johnny Bravo was not a true love. In fact, it is for his virginal blood, which yes. you can use for a number of things. Well, that's very true, and uh, so there. That's I I like those two. I think when you you can break it down, like they seem to be the two that you would look at. I think the Rosemary one's very interesting. Like you said, watching it, you look back and you see some of those kind of shots, and you're like, well. Eh. Maybe she's not as uh, not as upset as one would be when uh, you're seeing this guy go down and get shot. Uh, but James Mitchell, as always, uh, just man, he's great. So um, that was uh, uh, <laughs> he's just. And they made sure and they made sure to do the full the whole first verse of his theme song, which you always have to do when he comes out because one of the great theme songs in in old school TNA history. I love him. He's he's just great. But uh, that was uh, quite a quite a wedding uh, for sure. And uh, again, we we keep saying this, and I feel like we talked about this last time you were on but impact wrestling man i just i don't think that they've i think people are picking up on it and maybe have over the you know that build up to bound for glory and stuff you always have maybe some casual fans that come in just excited for that event each year but um i just i don't know i think it's been very entertaining to watch what they've done here over the past little while i just think they've done a pretty good job well the thing is and i I noticed too with the whole with the whole who shot bribery storyline there's going to be two schools of thought on this. I mean, uh, some people are, will be like you and I. We'll accept it for what it is. 
and I'm I kind of I with every wrestling show, I don't try to judge them all by the same standard. I don't expect the same thing from every different show. Like if I'm watching ROH, I expect to see pure wrestling. If I'm watching Impact Wrestling, I expect to see uh, Undead Realms and people getting shot. It's it's two different promotions, <laughs> two different schools of thought, two just two, two two different shows. Yeah, and uh, you know a lot of people out there like to, they want to see wrestling in one certain way with one certain presentation, and that's never been me. I've always been more of a melting pot kind of guy. Where you know if I tune on, if I turn into a show and I don't get what I want, I get something different. I like different stuff, man. I think it's the point I'm getting to, and. We can talk about the Bound for Glory stuff, too, because, uh, you know, I, I reviewed the show for 411, and I, I liked the show for what it was, although there were a couple curveballs thrown, which weren't entirely Impact's fault. You had, uh, I guess Alex Shelley had some kind of injury or something going on where he, he couldn't compete, which, you know, diminished that match a little bit for me. And then there's the stuff with Kylie Ray, which, you know, it, it sucks. It's, it's terrible, yeah. and I don't blame people for... You know, if they want to be mad at Impact or whoever for that, I we can't be mad at Kylie Ray because there's no reason to be. It's just it is what it is. But yeah, they did what they could do. I, I don't know what else they could have done to really. I mean, I, the one thing I guess they could have done is if they had just decided earlier in the day that she wasn't going to show up. I mean, we maybe we can build something else on the pre-show. I could see that. But it seems like they they were thinking they, they really they really thought she was going to show up and be there. So in that case, I can't really I can't really blame them for that. It sucks, and uh, they end up looking like idiots, and we're be more likely to blame Impact than we are Kylie Ray. But I mean, they they did the best they could, and for what it's worth, I thought Deanna and Sue Young had a pretty darn darn good match. So I mean, they did the best. I the point I'm making is they did the best they could, and I don't know. It's not a great situation, but they they kind of made chicken salad out of chicken excrement, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, it's uh, you would think kind of in this era too that more people understand this type of stuff. I mean, especially the Cali Ray situation. Like, I mean, that's something that you know this is your biggest show of the year. I don't think you're just going into this expecting something like that. Uh, but even if you get it, like it's not something where you're just like, oh, well, let's just start yelling at the promotion and all this because. It is such a bigger situation, and so uh, it was unfortunate to see. But but I thought Bound for Glory, I thought it was a pretty good show. Like you said, there was some some a lot of good stuff on there, uh, even with the couple switches that you had. Uh, you know, Rich Swan wins the title. Um, you had some pretty fun stuff, uh, I thought, on that show. And I really thought, overall, you know, the the build off of it into that the next show, their first, you know, Impact show after Bound for Glory, I thought they've had a couple, you know, really good shows here back to back. And like we said, you offer some variety now uh, with this wedding, and now you kind of get on this uh, mystery tour uh, of who shot Bravo there. And there will probably, I'm sure there will be a lot of uh, bumps in that road that will provide uh, <laughs> many moments of enjoyment and laughter and whatnot. So yes. I'm interested to see where it goes. Like I said, I think I think it's the same answer for every mystery storyline. I don't know what it is about Swaggle, but <laughs> all I know is that there weren't people getting shot impact when Swaggle wasn't there. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Very true. He's... I don't know. Ring Imp. He might be. I, I, I'm telling you, that's where I, that's where I think it's going. But uh, I've been wrong before about these things, so you just never know. Well, we'll see. It should be, uh, like you said, a fun ride to get there. I was making. I was thinking about some of the. Uh, you know, anytime there's a wedding you know, on wrestling, you always think about the best weddings. There is. And... There is one person. We hold on. I'm gonna cut you off. I'm sorry. Because I just thought of something. I'm sorry. Larry Zong had to put up with this all the time back in the day. So <laughs> I'm going to cut you off because there is one person we can rule out. And if you if you notice when the lights were out, if you're, if you're looking at the screen, you could see that Kira Hogan, she was wearing some glow-in-the-dark gear. I don't know if you noticed that. She has yes. some glow-in-the-dark stuff in her shoes and ankles and whatnot. Kira Hogan did not move. So we know for sure that Kira Hogan is the one person we can rule out. She didn't do it. Well, what if she what if she knew it was coming and decided, hey, I'm going to wear this, kind of throw off the scent, and maybe uh, she knows who did it. We'll see. But uh, mm, a smart, okay. a s- smart move on her part, nonetheless. Maybe uh, I'm just saying we know she <laughs> we know she wasn't the trigger man. That's right. Maybe she knew uh, who the trigger man was. We'll find out. But uh, I, I was thinking about the best weddings, and I'm like. There's really no contest, is there? Like, uh, I think Savage and Elizabeth, like, that has to be at the very top. I can't think of anything else that's come close to that. Now, that's just, you know, your traditional standpoint. Now, if you're talking about pure chaos, 
Um, I guess, you know, there are a lot that come to mind when it comes to, uh, I guess, Stephanie and Test and uh, some of these others. You, you remember, you had yeah. Uncle, Uncle Elmer and uh, Joyce, too, back in the day. So. Uncle Elmer and Joyce. Um, I was a fan of the uh, Kane and Lisa wedding. Yes. Mostly for the mostly for the wardrobe choices because Kane was really all about wearing the white. He comes down the white tuxedo, which is awesome. <laughs> and Leah just goes right against him wears the black wedding dress. Oh. Oh, Chef's Kiss right there. That's just that's just good stuff. And then of course you had Trish Stratus coming out in the Maid of Honor outfit. Yes. Which I think we all remember. I think if you re- if you saw that segment, you hear Trish Stratus Maid of Honor outfit, you remember that. Yes, you do. you do. And if you don't, uh, you're probably, as you're listening to this, you're Go going to back to, yes, <laughs> check that out now uh, for sure. But um, yeah, so there's uh, some of the weddings. If you're in a wedding mood, um, you can uh, check Teddy out. Teddy Long having a heart attack was also. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. I forgot about or, no, that. No, it's an overdose on Viagra, wasn't it? Was um, Al Wilson. I know he's passed away since now. but Al Wilson was, yeah, there's the Al Wilson wedding with Don Marie and uh I believe he passed while well, he's passed away in real life as well by yeah. this point. But uh, yeah. on the, I believe it was the honeymoon where he uh, passed away yes. uh, while he was uh, in bed with Don Marie. Oh. And, uh, oh, just some fantastic storytelling there. Let me tell you, it's just uh, you know, people gave a lot of credit to SmackDown back in that day, but uh, it wasn't all SmackDown Six, man. You also had Al Wilson. So, yes, that's come on now. <laughs> SmackDown Heyman didn't Seven. Spin all gold at that point. Was, uh, there are a few misses, a uh, few misses here and there. And um, there's still some weddings to come up because, I mean, on AEW, we're still pimping yep. this uh, Kip Sabian Penelope Ford w- wedding and Rusev, the best man. So there's still there's always going to be wrestling weddings as as long as there's pro wrestling. Uh, many more weddings to come in the world. For better of, or for worse. Yes. Uh, for but I, thought, worse. I mean, yeah, I got some enjoyment out of this one because, I mean, like Father James Mitchell, great, uh, great, in his, great in his role. One of the most under underappreciated managers of his time, I think. And when you're talking about spooky managers, kind of you know that supernatural types guy, I think you talk about James Mitchell and Paul Bear for that for that category. That's one and two. I agree. Uh, they're they're one and two without question. Uh, I guess you know someone who I don't think uh, shot Johnny Bravo uh, was Thunder Rosa, who has been the. Uh, but then again, maybe she has. She's been everywhere else. So, maybe that's I the mean, swerve. Better everywhere else. <laughs> maybe she was the uh, trigger man. We all know. I don't, listen, maybe that's the swerve. Maybe they, all of this that's going on on social media and all the rumors and her trolling everyone uh, is all to lead to her being the the culprit here. But that has been one of the uh, the big talking points throughout the week. But as uh, we talked about before we started recording, uh, that seems to be squashed now because uh, you had the reports that uh, Billy Corgan in the uh, the Q and A, I think some kind of fan Q and A or something, he said that. She was locked up on a contract until uh, 2021 with the NWA. And, of course, everyone's been running with the reports that uh, is she going to AEW? Is she going to WWE? Well, she lost the belt to Serena Deeves. That means she's going to WWE. I mean, that, everyone has run wild with this. But, uh, Steve, it seems like uh, we pretty much know that she's with the NWA at least for the next little while. And, you know, maybe it's just a possibility that, the, that she lost the title of Serena Deeves for a storyline. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're just doing an angle there. I don't, I, you know, people lose championships all the time, don't they? I mean, we have title changes here and there, and that doesn't mean that somebody's leaving the company. And, uh, you know, the NWA is in a, a tough situation right now with the with the COVID and everything going on. And they're kind of finding ways to kind of remain relevant. And there have been some people that have moved on. And uh, I think they do have a nice little deal going with AEW where we've seen a number of their people pop up there. And, uh, AEW's been using that NWA Women's Championship to kind of bolster their own women's division. And that's kind of worked out well for everybody involved because NWA's getting that rub on that show. So I don't think, I I think people kind of jump to conclusions a little too quickly on that one. Just because Thunder Rosa lost the title, that doesn't mean she's leading the company. That might just mean that uh, maybe there's going to be a little feud with Thunder Rosa and Serena on the. Uh, UWN show or wherever they're doing that on. I mean, it's going to lead something down the road for that. Yeah. And I'm sure that if Billy Corgan has uh, Thunder Rosa under contract and Thunder Rosa is a highly sought after commodity. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure WWE wants her and I'm sure AW wants her. I'm sure everybody else does, but um, you know, if she, if she ends up leaving, it's, they're going to get something out of it. I always I'll find that. Yeah. And I always find the WWE aspect of everything kind of interesting because 
you know, I get from a fan's perspective, you look at this and you're like, well, man, I mean, you're, we're seeing what happened with, with Mia Yim on Raw here recently with the, uh, the whatever the spot was with her convulsing and everything. And you're looking ahead and you're like, man, why would someone like Thunder Rosa want to go there and wind up being a, someone that's convulsing on the mat uh, in the middle of a, a pretty bad angle uh, when instead, you know, she could do this or she could do that. And she has the Mission Pro thing. So it's like, they're not going to let her keep doing that company or anything or like all the different. So, and I get it, but I also think about it too. I'm like, I mean, the WWE, like, like it or not, it's still that name is going to draw people because everyone thinks of WrestleMania. They think of all these other possibilities. And so I can understand why someone would want to go to WWE. You know, the money is there. You know, the structure. The checks don't bounce. Yes. <laughs> the checks aren't bouncing. Uh, so I always find that, you know, everybody kind of knocks WWE. And I get it from a product standpoint at times. But, uh, you know, when, when a worker is trying to choose where they want to go, I mean, WWE is going to be right there on the top of that list probably. Absolutely, and uh, although, I mean, we've also heard speculation in the past that they're interested in Thunder Rosa, but as a referee, which I don't yeah. I don't understand. And they've done people, they've done people before, like Drake Younger uh, was, he eventually went to WWE, but as a referee. There have been other independent wrestlers who go there as a referee, uh, which, I mean, that, that's fine, that's a choice. I've just always kind of wondered what WWE sees in certain people, like, what did they see when they're watching that CZW show with Drake Younger breaking light bulbs over his head? And what made them think, boy, that guy'd make a good referee? <laughs> I mean, what, what the hell? I mean, I, I don't, I, that didn't really compute for me. And, uh, you know, Drake is a very active guy these days in his own ways. He's got his own unique perspective on life. And I think that's all I'll say about that. That's well, all I'm gonna say. I'm trying not to get political here. So I, well, shut up. <laughs> it's it's almost November. We're less than a week away. So uh, if Thank we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna get it in on our show, I feel like this is the show to get it in on. And I guess I have to technically probably do it after on the next show too. But uh, we'll only keep that to a couple seconds. But yeah, I guess it's uh, if you see a guy breaking a light bulb over his head, it's like, well, if he can handle that, uh, he can handle you know refereeing a singles match between um, you know Biggie and uh, Sheamus. I guess. So yeah, I'm not sure that confused. I don't know. And this, uh, yeah. but, you know, I'm an outsider, so I don't. I don't have that galaxy brain like Vince McMahon does, where he sees how this all kind of fits together. That's why they haven't hired you as a referee yet. So uh, that's the way I see it, because he. I got the body for it. I tell you well, that. That's uh, hey, that's part of the job description. So uh, I don't know this whole Thunder Rosa thing, like I said, but I, I get why people have just ran with it, because like you said, she is one of the best I think in the world right now in terms of just you see her wrestle, and she's she's certainly one of the top talents. And then of course, if you're looking at AW and you're an AW fan, you're looking around at the women's division saying. Okay, we've got a couple injuries now. Uh, we've still got you know a situation where we're not really building up a lot of talent. We're putting them on dark, which uh, by the way, I'm I feel like I'm reviewing a, a pay per view every Tuesday night now because dark's getting to about the two and a half hours. You know what? Mark. I was glad to pass that baton to you when I heard that they're going like two and a half hours every week. It's like you know what? I mean, it's it's fun little show. I just ain't got the time for that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Remember back in the good old days when AEW <laughs> Dark was like a little forty minute show? You had little segments of tony and dasha and cody had a freaking interview and he had a couple of nice little dark matches it was a nice little time and now you're getting a pay-per-view every week but i mean but you can't fault them at the same time because they're getting a lot of people a lot of work and a lot of the girls that you mentioned that are on that show um they're in that developmental phase where they need to work i mean maybe the kylan kings and red velvets of the world aren't quite ready for uh, prime time yet so that's that's how you get them ready yeah and I've... there are a lot of in well, got uh, yeah, the girl that Hirsch yes. this week went against Serena Deeb. Ton of potential there. I mean, that match was. I think that match blew a lot of people's expectations out of the water, and uh, rolled a potential with her. And I think that AEW has a number of girls there that uh, could be something a couple of years down the road, and that's why you put them on dark right now. Well, I'm teasing it now. I've got a column going on 411 uh, early next week on the AEW Women's Division, so we'll see um how if what everybody thinks about that because i think there's some things they can be doing more of aside from just you know the dark usage and everything but um i mean at least they're you know they're, they're giving them reps and that's the way i look at it it's uh hey it, the the showtime may have went up ever since i started dark every single week we've gotten more matches the show's gotten longer so i think maybe wrestlemania <laughs> length pretty soon i'm telling you yes before you know it we're gonna have a two-hour pre-show for aw dark and uh, we're going to feature like eight matches on that in addition to the, yeah, to the Peter 15. Avalon and Brent Cutler working an Iron Man <laughs> match. 
Well, that, that may not be bad. I thought they had the best match on AEW Dark this week. So if you're someone who hasn't watched AEW Dark yet, go back and watch it. I thought it was actually a pretty good show. It was many matches because Layla Hirsch, like you said, she had a really good match with Hikaru Shida. Um, so AEW Women's Division, we'll see what happens, but uh, more thoughts on that. They the- put Layla against, uh, they put her against uh, Shida answering deep right away. That tells you, that tells you what they think of her. You know, they threw her right into the, they threw her from the frying pan right into the fire. So that tells you that uh, they think there's something there. Speaking of AEW, before we get into some WWE and a uh, little Ring of Honor stuff, uh, AEW full gear card. Uh, Steve, I think this is, you know, we saw most of the card. I can't imagine them adding much more to it. I assume best friends, maybe Miro and Kip probably going to be on They'll there. They'll probably do something on there, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, aside from that, like this card from top to bottom, I... I went back and looked. I mean, it's different because we're we're doing this without full crowd and such, but this just card on paper, I think this is probably one of the best cards they've had just from a pure like top match standpoint with all these matches they've got on here when you talk about Moxley Kingston, uh you've got Omega Page, you've got FTR Young Bucks, you've got Jericho MJF, you've got the Elite Deletion. Um, you know, you just man, you've got all these different matches and of course, you knew I was going to get to this on the buy-in. We've now got my man John Silver against Orange Cassidy. That in and of itself sells the pay-per-view to me. When that's on the buy-in, that kind of tells you something <laughs> right there. Because you're talking about Orange Cassidy, one of the most over people in AEW. And we can talk about that feud with him and Cody, which I don't know if that did Orange a whole lot of favors. But uh, he is going into this big match. He's got a new feud going with uh, none other than uh, your good friend of mine, Johnny Hungy. Yes. Oh, the the highlights of uh, being the Elite episodes uh, probably the, one of the most popular people in the Dark Order at this point. Toss up for me with him and Anna Jay. I mean, that's that's pretty close. Yeah, they're 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 great people. But uh, when that's the buy-in, when that's the dark match, I mean, I'm telling you, oh man, it's loaded card, loaded. loaded card. It is. Um, yeah, and pro wrestling tees. I, I joked about it on Twitter that they they keep finding ways to take my money because we've gotten I think two new. Johnny Hungy shirts out in the past week or so. We've gotten the actual Johnny Hungy shirt itself. Uh, they put out one. I think the silver is gold. Uh, they're just, man, they're... I've already gotten the one, of course, with him and Alex Reynolds as the recruitment specialist. But, oh, nice. Oh, man. They're just... They're making me spend all this money on my guy here, but... Uh, you know, we were talking about last night, and me and... Uh, me and uh, we were talking about the last night on the, the Dissecting Dynamite show, where... The Dark Order not getting a lot of respect in the rankings. I mean, you take a look at the singles rankings. There's no Brody Lee. No. Uh, women's rankings, no Anna J. Tag team rankings, no no Silver and Reynolds. No Uno and Stu either. Like, what, what's going on here? What are they doing? A lot of disrespect being thrown towards the Dark Order, who have been carrying that being the lead show. <laughs> let's be honest. It's, it's, it's not really being the lead. It's being the Dark Order at this point, right? Yes, it is. They're, that's what I love about it, because they're giving them that platform. Because it's like, remember where this faction started like when they first started and you're thinking about oh yeah it, like, everybody we oh, all buried God. that stuff when i started is the drizzling shits it was when terrible first started out but they they turned it around man they turned it around they made it work that's what you gotta do sometimes that's one of the one of the things i give AEW credit for where they're not so quick to give up on somebody like uh, if you take a look i i'm not trying to bury w maybe i'm trying to bury the <laughs> but but man the retribution thing yeah with you know, with Ali and with all these guys, and uh, you know, Vince was all bad at first, and then all of a sudden, Vince wasn't all bad, and now they're getting buried. Yeah, uh, they're like a, they're a joke now. They, they're just getting jobbed out left and right. It's kind of you got Mia Yim doing her seizure angle, where the, where the hell she's doing? But uh, it's I had hope for when I thought I think Ali is a great talent. He's a good talker too, so I think he could do something. But uh, they're not doing him any favors with this. It's a it's a rough situation where they built this retribution thing up. They just bury it right away. Whereas, you know, I mean, with the Dark Order, it kind of sucked early on. But uh, AEW just kind of let they let it keep going. Yeah, they let them kind of find themselves and uh, found a way to make it work. And now it's working. What do you know? They're finding themselves on a YouTube show, and meanwhile, WWE's taking away every talent's uh, YouTube, Twitch, <laughs> every everything <laughs> as much as they can. So, well, that's a, yeah, okay. Well, that's another issue. Yeah, <laughs> record profits, and yet we can't let these guys do freaking Twitch and YouTube shows. Oh boy, yeah. Oh man, God, 
Damn. <laughs> some some limitations there to work with in WWE that maybe you don't have in AEW for sure. Um, speaking of which, Survivor Series, uh, it is going to be a celebration of The Undertaker, but it is also going to be another year of champion versus champion. And um, yeah. I, it's interesting because I think, and I've heard people talk about this, because knowing right now, I mean, we're not Roman Reigns and Randy Orton are not losing the titles before we get the Survivor Series. No, would, no, they're in, not. In no way, they shouldn't either. They <laughs> right, should not. <laughs> but like, that's a tricky thing to do. I think right now because, and that's see, that's where the problem comes in. And I think we've said this a lot with WWE. You put yourself in this situation where you have this match. Now, if I had to bet right now, all the money in the world, I would bet that there's going to be some screwy finish, or you're going to get something that's not satisfying whatsoever. But the fact is, you book this match and you have no choice but to like go through with it. This is a this is a weird thing to me because I'm like, what do you what can you really do knowing where these two characters are at right now? Especially Roman Reigns. I mean, we've seen him on another level, but you put him yeah. now in this match with Randy Orton. Like, what's what's your out here? I mean, I know that it's WWE. They've done this many times before. They'll find a way out of it. But I don't know, man. I, I just think you put yourself in a situation with some of these champion versus champion matches where it's interesting. But I'd be fine just going back to the full Survivor Series format, just every match, elimination style, and let's just do that. It's it's a thing that's kind of bothered me for a couple of years now. I like the idea that the Survivor Series is brand versus brand. I think it's a nice idea. You can have Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. You can have all champions going at that. I think that's a good idea. I'm all about that. The problem is, this is where they kind of lose me, is that they do the whole... WWE Raw SmackDown draft about a month before a show. So I have no time to get used to these people being on Raw or SmackDown. You're running all these Team Raw matches, all these qualifying matches to be on Survivor Series team, and the, most of these guys were on SmackDown a couple weeks ago. How am I supposed to get? How am I supposed to be emotionally invested in that? Yeah, I, I, I'm not because these guys were just on SmackDown last week. I mean, why, 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 why would I care? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. And, but it's one of those things, it's just, it's timing. Timing is a whole issue here. If they could figure out a way to put that Raw SmackDown draft uh, somewhere other than uh, like a month before Survivor Series, it'd work a lot better. Well, and the thing is, is like, if I had, if someone right now put in front of me and said, all right, you have to answer 15 Raw or SmackDown superstars correctly on what (laughs) brand they're actually on. I lucky could get 50 50. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I'd be lucky to get seven probably because like, there's no, like you can't keep up with this. Even when they do the draft, like it's, you know, the Otis thing wasn't Otis like he or Tucker. Like, I don't even know what, I can't even keep up anymore, but like you've had people appear on these shows so many times before. And we know probably in two months, there's going to be people all over the place. Like they're just going to be people on different shows. And you're not going to know right. what brand they're on. Um, so I, I'm with you. It's like, but the Survivor Series, I know you're trying to push it. You have that, but it's like, I don't know. Is there a better, a better way to do this draft every year just to where it's not right there? And as you said, all of a sudden you're, you're wearing your blue shirts and red shirts and, uh, yeah. you've, you've been on the show for one week. So it's like, you know, <laughs> go me, I guess. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, it's. Look, the card the card will be good. Like I think you'll look at it on paper and say, oh, okay, well yes, Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton, that could be good. I mean, Oscar versus Sasha Banks, that could be good. New Day versus Street Profits, all for it. But it's just like I don't know. I feel like you you're also going to get some non finishes in some of these. That's just my guess uh, based on you know past history. And I don't know. I'm just I'm not trying to knock WWE because I think WWE. If you consumed WWE in just a pay per view form. Um, or just watch like Roman Reigns or Sasha or Bailey, and and that's not to knock anyone else. It's like if you just watch the top stuff, hey, it's great. But I mean, that three hours of Raw every week, I I just don't know how some people do it because it's really hard for me to watch the three hours of Raw every week just based on what we know. And Big E pointed this out too. He did an interview with someone. I think it was one of the podcasts. Uh, YouTube. I think it's Fightful. Did it, Fightful may, get him? May, maybe it was, but he said something. Like, you know, the difference between SmackDown and Raw is that on SmackDown, it's a much tighter show. You've only got two hours. He said, I'm not, I don't have to be on TV every week. I don't have to wrestle every week. Uh, but on Raw, it's like, well, we got to have a two segment Big E match just because we got to <laughs> fill this time. And it's like every single week. 
So I understand that. Like, I agree. Like, that's the problem is, and we've been saying this for years now with the three-hour Raws. I mean, I get it. This is nothing new. But I just, man, there's just so many limitations when it comes to that show. And when you're trying to have stuff like Retribution, and yet you're still doing what you're doing with them, it's just hard to connect. And it's hard to stay invested in that show every single week for three hours. And then another issue of Survivor Series, uh, the show itself, is that uh, you might recall last year. Remember when NXT was involved in that show last year? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Remember they had the they had the NXT champion and the North American champion, and women's champion. Keith they Lee all, looked great. They all got involved and whatnot, and they started. They dominated that show actually, and uh, they're nowhere to be seen this year. <laughs> and uh, you know, my my good buddy Greg Demarco made had a great article on Chair Shot defending it, and I don't disagree. I I do not disagree with Greg. I, I'm okay with NXT not being involved. But it's also one of those things where it's like if you're a fan, you're sitting there watching this stuff, you're kind of aren't you kind of wondering, where, where's NXT? Why aren't they involved in Survivor no. Series? I, here's, I, and I haven't read Greg's article, but one of the things I would think has to be part of the thinking, and this just may be me trying to find an excuse for him when they've probably done a lot of other stuff that ignores some of this, but is it the mixing of the brands, like knowing that you've had some of the, I guess, you know, the outbreak, quote unquote, that they've been using with like at the the PC and everything? Well, that's like probably that. the actual answer. <laughs> I was <laughs> going to say, the like, actual answer. I wonder if is that's that the it. freaking performance there becomes a, has become a COVID hotbed because certain people there that can't wear a mask and have to be assholes and give everybody sick. That's the actual answer. But, you know, if you're sitting at home, you don't know that. Exactly. Right. And it, it's not like they're, I mean, that's one thing I will knock WWE for. They they don't do a great job explaining stuff. And they're not one to come out and say, hey, this is the reason why, if it's going to make them look bad in any scenario. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I would love to see, like you said, more NXT. Because that just, you know, as we, we say this now, it's like, it's NXT is not really much different from Raw and SmackDown. Like you have a show in USA. Like you're 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 the show going up. You've started this war against AEW. You know you don't want to say that. It's just like I don't know. You just you you get even more exposure. You give some of these talents. But again, I I have a feeling that's a big. You know, reason. I think we saw this week what the uh, what NXT needs to do to uh, defeat AEW in the ratings every week. Other than actually produce a good show, you know, I mean that always helps. But I think if they could trot out a different WCW name for a show every single week, yes. I think that would help. Uh, I because would that's it. when that works. The Great American Bash worked. Halloween Havoc worked. You got to bring out – we got to have Starcade in December, don't we? Don't we got to do Starcade? Yeah. I, I say have to. bring it all. Like uh, do as many theme shows as you can. I wish they would – I mean because we saw like AEW did that. They had – what was it? Bash at the Beach. Like they had, five, they had all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that's when that's when they noticed – that's when WWE noticed that they better get some of those WCW trademarks <laughs> when they did the Bash at the Beach stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of articles coming out uh, that next week. WWE has filed for eight new trademarks, uh, and they're all WCW. Oh, yeah. All uh, old <laughs> WCW stuff. That's, that's what's going to happen. And we'll see uh, NXT Dixie Dynamite. You know, be stuff that's going to happen. But uh, – I mean, and and you know, I think Shotzi Blackheart should host the show more often too. I think it yeah. would also help. That would yeah. be a, a nice one uh, for sure. I think, uh, but yeah, I and that's the thing is like, I know everyone like we talk about WWE and and people are up and down with it. I mean, you've got people you know that watch every show religiously. You've got others who just can't get into it. Aside from maybe some of the stuff, like I said, with Reigns. I mean, that stuff is is must watch, much must watch right now, but. Aside from that, like, I mean, NXT, it's they're still doing a good job with NXT. Like, you can't knock it. And that's why I just wish so much that, you know. Especially with the COVID outbreaks. It's yeah, tough well, to get to enough town in the building. Exactly. It's not easy. <laughs> um, and maybe, you know, if you do it on a, a different night, you get a little different mojo. Because uh, I would love to be able to watch, actually, NXT and AEW Live uh, each and every week without, you know, trying to do the two-screen thing and all that. But um it's just i don't know i, I just i don't know I, again i hate to knock on wwe at times but because they do the thing that's what frustrates me it's like wwe does some things so well and we're seeing that with like the reigns thing like i never in a million years imagined that they would be able to nail this reigns thing the way that they have um and you know the, to the point where you wish they did like five years ago yeah, yeah it's like you never would have guessed that they would be able to pull this off as effectively as they had thus far and that's why i, I get a little frustrated with the survivor series thing i'm like oh please don't let this be a step back like don't do something stupid uh and put this in a situation where he's like a different character or you got something and you know i don't know i just think there's some some ways that could go wrong on that but 
I mean, that's what frustrates you. It's like you see all these things they could do well, but it's like they have so much TV time each and every week that some of the stuff just is not good. So um, how do they handle the whole Reigns and Orton match? Like, how do you handle that on TV? Yeah. I mean, you can't have you can't have Roman Reigns uh, being like the he's rallying behind SmackDown. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you can't Harry eh, Orton rallying. I just how you do that? I do you have do you have an answer for that? I would have liked the idea of putting Reigns as the captain of the SmackDown team and basically have him enter that and be like a Bad News Brown type, where he's just like, he goes into the match, he like just kicks a couple people's ass, like he just goes out there and just destroys some of the other people on the other team, and then he just walks out. Like, I'm done, like there's no reason for me to be here. I wish they could have set that up, but again, because they have to do the champions versus champion thing, they kind of put themselves in a corner where they couldn't do that. I feel like for his character right now, that would have served him much better knowing that he wanted no part of anyone, put him on a team, and then just basically have him either destroy everyone and then have him destroy his own team or just have him walk out after he, you know, just destroys some of the people on the other side, I guess. And we've we've seen him change the title before, right before Survivor Series, uh, both involving Brock Lesnar opponents because I think Brock won the wrestle AJ Styles one year. Yeah. And Brock Lesnar wrestled Daniel Bryan one year, and I think that's what happened there. And they're both fantastic matches, yeah. so that all worked out. But uh, at this point, I, I, you know, that's I, I, I cannot see taking the title off either of those guys for just for one match. In hindsight, so me. well, see, in hindsight, what I think, if you should have. Maybe with Orton and McIntyre, you should have maybe had Orton win that first match between those two, and then yeah. maybe build well, for the yeah, especially for that feud. Yeah, because they they booked that ass backwards. Yes, <laughs> because they had Randy Orton lose a couple of matches. They had Randy Orton get uh, he lost one match due to a bunch of people interfering on Drew McIntyre's behalf, and <laughs> it did not help Drew McIntyre out at all. To be I, honest with you. I thought the ambulance match was like it. I was like, okay, Drew McIntyre just sent this guy in an ambulance. You had all those guys come back, all the legends, and I'm like, this thing's over. Like, there's no way they're going to drag this out. But then I thought, that Orton killed them off the next right. night. <laughs> exactly. It's like, well, then you think <laughs> about it, and you're like, oh, well, they've got to get to hell in a cell now. Well, you can't get a program heated up that fast to get to hell in a cell, so you know you got to get one more match out of it. So See, I, that's ah. that's the problem. With the, that's problem. With the hell in the cell pay per view in general. Yeah, because we're just. Uh, I I just yearn for back in the day when Hell in Cell matches were kind of organic. Yeah. Where feuds build up to the point where it's like, okay, now we have to have Hell in a Cell. Yeah. And I, now it's just a freaking year, yearly show where, well, okay, these guys are champions. They need some challengers. Or, okay, let's put in the cell. Yeah. yeah. We don't care. Why no. <laughs> well, I will give them credit. I thought the three that they had this year, <laughs> that's just crazy for me to say, like, they had three on the same show, but. <laughs> um, th- they were all different, so I think that at least helped because you did. I think that's also an issue where you have three on the same show. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, lockdown worked for TNA after a while. I mean, I thought TNA lockdown was a crazy idea at first. A whole show is crazy. Cage matches daddy, <laughs> like Dusty Rhodes would say, but uh, it actually did work after a little while. But uh, yeah, I, I think Hell in the Cell is one of those things that should be busted out for a special occasion. Yeah. But I guess I'm stuck in that 1985 thinking where oh cage matches are a big deal yeah <laughs> well maybe maybe i'm a little too uh a little too old for this i don't know sh- shorter attention span we're trying to get all the gimmick matches we can to keep people uh involved but uh clearly yeah, like the bailey sasha banks feud for god's sakes why is their first match in hell in the cell what are we no. doing what are, what are we doing here uh, i just... mean i'm sure it's a, it's a good match but at the same time like what the hell where do you go from there well, and that's the thing, too. I guess the different eras, like, we think about it. I mean, and, and I don't know what... I mean, I assume, like, the Attitude Era, you started having all these matches every week between the stars, but, like, you think back to, like, the, the late 80s and everything, where it's like, oh, my God, we're building six months just to get to Hogan versus Perfect, and, like, it's just... I mean, you know, it's just... It's so much different now, and I don't know. There's some people... That's why I, I get, like, people have different tastes, and uh, there have been people that have still been able to kind of hang on to WWE with every single show, and... You you know watch it like they always have but i can understand also being on the other side and saying man it's just it's so much different than it used to be because you have basically the same feud going on every single like you see the same matches um you know what was it the street profits and um angel garza and andrade i think they fought oh, yeah. 50 times this summer uh on oh, raw yeah. <laughs> it's just a ton so 
That goes back to what Big E said. I, I'm always going to believe. And in, they're, in they're all good performers. They're all good wrestlers too. Dude. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But yeah, it's like yeah. Yeah, at a certain point, it's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can we do something else with these guys? My God, <laughs> it takes away the specialty of it for, for sure. But um, okay, I promise this was all not about uh, bashing WWE. But uh, I don't know. There's just uh, I'd like we to. We can't help us. I mean, it is what it is right now. As we said, it's just oh. we're not the only ones. Trust me. Uh, there's a lot of other people. If you click up social media, you'll, you'll find it. But uh, let's talk about Roman something. Ray. We love Roman Reigns, <laughs> especially with especially yes. with his shirt off. Right? I was gonna say like Roman Reigns, now. Bailey, Sasha. Um, you know the Big E thing. I'm interested in. Like, there's there's a lot of still good Push stuff. Push Big E to the moon. Yeah. Push him to the moon. Give him the belt. WrestleMania. Come on. I don't care which belt it is. Give him some belt. WrestleMania. I was going to ask you that. Is that what we're, are we getting to? If we don't get Roman and the Rock, which is I just think is not going to happen. There's no chance. But um, I wish it would. Because, I do too. Uh, oh God, I that would be that would be fucking awesome. But uh, if it's not if it's not the Rock, yeah. Roman Reigns and Big E at WrestleMania, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, that'd be great. I would be I all like for it. that. Yeah, for sure. Big E, Big E needs to win the Royal Rumble. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll say it right now. Big E needs to win the Royal Rumble and challenge somebody. Whether it's uh, the uh, the SmackDown champion or Ross champion, whoever it is, yeah. Big E, do it. And of course, they've, like got, they've got the Miz too now with a briefcase, and it's like, when do you actually see the Miz? Oh like, God, this thing's I mean, gonna be forever. So <laughs> that money in bank briefcase, uh, don't get me. I, I'm gonna get started because <laughs> <laughs> that fucking briefcase. <laughs> you would think that would build people up. No, everybody who gets that briefcase gets jobbed out. <laughs> everybody, unless you win that shit in the, in the same night or within a week or whatever, you get jobbed out and jobbed out and jobbed out until the point where it's like, oh well, we might as well let this guy cash in. Or oh, good God, it's just it's it's a, it's a it's a bad tool. I don't like it. And when you got the uh, Otis, it fell into Otis's hands. I like Otis. I, I think he's a good guy, good wrestler. But does anybody think that he was going to beat Roman Reigns or the Fiend or, or Braun Strowman or anybody else there? No. One can happen. Now the Miz has it. And maybe the Miz will cash in on Randy Orton like this fucking 2010 again. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's the best we can do. That's the best we can do. They're trying to promote it as though that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a Jesus good thing. Jesus Christ, it's um, terrible. But like you, like you said, like the the next night on Raw, like they came back out and he lost. Miz lost his first match in four minutes to Drew McIntyre. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they they did not make they they made sure we knew that Miz was not worth the fucking shit. Oh gosh. Well, this is I'm turned. cursing now. That's all right though, because that's where this briefcase gimmick gets me. Because Jesus Christ, they just uh, ain't. Time in person gets a briefcase like Daniel Bryan. Remember when Daniel Bryan won the Money Bank match in 2010? Yeah. And everybody thought, I think it's 2011, whatever. But like, oh, they're pushing Daniel Bryan. <laughs> and he got jobbed out for the next six months until he finally cashed in on Big Show after a main event match. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, what are we doing here? Well, it's funny. Why are we it's still like, doing this shit all these years? What are we doing? It's so funny. This is we, why people we... don't get built to. This is why we don't have legends now. Why every legend has come from fucking 1990. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we, right? we started this episode with the absurdity of the wedding angle. Uh, I'm someone getting shot. about this time about the wedding angle. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I, I like yeah. the wedding angle. I thought that was good, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this mind bank briefcase booking has me more pissed off than that by a long shot. Oh, Jesus. God, we have covered such a wide range here, starting with that wedding and getting to this uh, with some of the just nonsensical things you see. This is pro like this is a pro wrestling podcast right here. Everything we've just covered. Uh, what a broad spectrum. And then we're not even done because quickly we're going to get into uh, Ring of Honor because yeah. <laughs> what a difference. Right. Pure we're going wrestling. from all this to actual wrestling. Um, hey, we are uh, finally to the finals of the Pure Tournament. Uh, that's going to be fun. You've been reviewing all these shows. Uh, what have you thought oh, about yeah. this whole thing? I think it's been pretty fun to watch all these matches. And now uh, we've got the final setup you know, where you've got uh, Tracy Williams versus uh, Jonathan Gresham. And the, I'll be honest with you. Um, I took on the ROH recapping duty after Larry Zonka passed away. And there have been a couple years where I had not 
I hadn't really kept up with, with Ring of Honor, so yeah. I was not familiar with some of the names. I was familiar with Jay Lethal, obviously, and some of the longer tenure people there. But uh, folks like Jonathan Gresham and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams had kind of slipped under my radar. So I was not really uh, in tune with what I, I hadn't seen them a lot. So I saw them a little bit on the best of shows that RH did from time to time for the past few months there. And I am very impressed with both individuals. Jonathan Gresham, a great wrestler. Tracy Williams, also a great wrestler. So I'm pretty excited about this match. I know they're trying to build up the lethal Gresham match. And guess what? Tracy Williams got the upset there. So sad, too bad. Yep. Not like that. the AW match where we get Kenny Omega and Adam Page. But there, we all knew that tournament was going to lead to that. And uh, that's good. We like that. But at the same time, over here in ROH, we have a little change of plans. It's not Lethal versus Gresham again. We got Gresham and Hot Sauce. I like that. That's good. And I think it'll be a fantastic match. Oh, man. It's going to be good to watch. Tracy Williams has been a joy. Uh, trained, in, trained in Chikara, of course. Was one of the ants. All his ants doing good good stuff nowadays. They are. It's amazing. Amazing how all his ants are breaking out. <laughs> But uh, Hot Sauce has been looking good. Uh, uh, that match with Tracy Williams and Fred Yehi, oh, man, that was fantastic. And uh, it's 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 going to be a great show. I'm looking forward to seeing it this weekend at some point. going to be a good time. And if I had to pick a winner, I mean, you know what? I mean, they've been building this whole thing where, where you think Gresham wins it, so I'm, I'm going to get with Hot Sauce. I think Tracy Williams pulls off the upset. I think that's what happens there. Although, it might just be Jonathan Gresham possibly cheating a little bit. He might need to uh, throw an unsanctioned punch <laughs> just to get the advantage to do some octopus hold, hold or something. But it's going to be gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, I was going to say, I could see them doing that. Because like you said, it's almost like every time you think that they're going this this way, I could see I could see Trace Williams winning. But we'll see. Uh, what happens? If you want to catch up on that, still time. Go catch up on it for the finals. Uh, it's been a fun, and it's been a fun and easy watch. Like I said, if you just love wrestling, I mean, that's this tournament. It is. I mean, you know this what you're classic getting. Classic professional wrestling. Yeah, that's well, uh, that's what you're getting. Uh, all right. I said we were going to be done with that, but real quickly, I forgot this story uh, came down this afternoon, uh, and we I can't believe we didn't bring this up a few minutes ago. But WWE has announced the Vince McMahon docu series on Netflix. How great is this going to be, or and better, or better yet, how sort of terrible is this going to be from a, an actual reality standpoint? Here's my question. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I kind of heard about this. Here's my question: Who is producing this? Is it WWE? I think no. It, so Bill Simmons is one of the executive producers of this. Oh, and so you know it's going to uh, be like and WWE Studios. So like, like they're part. Uh, of, okay, well yeah. if WWE is involved, it's going to be a bunch of bullshit. Okay. Yeah. So let's be honest. Okay. <laughs> hold on. There's something here. It is. Is it going to be the, Oh, the guy who did the fire, uh, the fire fest documentary, the director, apparently he's going to be helping with the project too. Um, It'll probably be entertaining. I'm sure. Well, and it's it apparently, it says that it's going to be one of Netflix's highest budgeting docuseries ever. So they're really going to go all out for this, apparently. <laughs> but I'm still telling you, if WWE has any involvement in this, it's going to be complete bullshit. Oh my Let's gosh! Come on now. I can't wait to hear the WCW stuff. Like how, like this is this story is like going to inflate to the nth degree. I think in this docu series, like oh yeah, I was uh, doing all this and uh, WCW and. They stole this, and oh man, I just—that's why you watch Dark Side of the Ring because there's not that involvement. Oh gosh, uh, exactly. You know, yeah, there's true. there's outside people to speaking on on this stuff. That's why you that's why you go to Dark Side of the Ring. I mean, I'm sure it'll be an entertaining watch because that Firefest documentary is very good, and Bill Simmons has been involved in some very good stuff. So I'm sure it'll be an entertaining piece of business, but it'll also be 100 percent bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who am I kidding? I'll watch the whole thing. Just to... we'll watch it. I <laughs> yeah. mean, don't get me wrong. I will watch it, but no. uh, I will also keep in mind that it's not exactly. Uh, it's like Donald Trump on Fox News. Oh, I'm doing more political stuff. <laughs> oh, goddamn! 
Oh, <laughs> uh, well, l- l- listen, there's no better way to stop this podcast because, as we said, we had to get in the political stuff right before the election. Um, so what do you know? We we built this up uh, perfectly. And uh, what better way than to uh, end things with Vince McMahon and Donald Trump? Uh, what a, what an episode of the podcast here. But, <laughs> Steve, uh, before we wrap up, as you said, uh, you've got uh, lots of stuff over at 411. Uh, chair shot. You're doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, let everybody know where they can find all of your great work. There's a lot of great work going on. I mean, I once, I don't like putting myself over, so I will be <laughs> honest. I think 50% of my stuff is pretty good. Yes. It's all right. And then there's some stuff that's not so good, but, uh, you know, maybe you'll disagree with me. That's all I can say about that. Uh, typical writer, you know, we're all very, uh, us writers are all very, uh, you know, we're all, we don't have very high self-esteem. No. This, this group. Yeah, it's mm. tough. That's all right. That's okay. We'll put the links to all Steve's stuff uh, in the show notes that way. Yeah, it's going to uh, be you, good. You can judge and for I gotta yourself. I got to tell you, I gotta, I'm <laughs> going gonna, gonna to close with this line again, like I did on the Dissect and Die, my show there. And I'm just going to tell you right now, my good sir, you know that man from Nashville, Italy? You know him. And if I hear one more Tracy Sucks chant, <laughs> I'm telling you, everybody dies. There you go. Oh, what a perfect way. Uh, there it is. Steve Cook, the one and only. Uh, Steve, as always, I enjoy it. Next time, we're going to have another good vent. And uh, this is becoming uh, quite, quite a show here uh, when we have you on. So we always appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Johnny Hungy. Thanks again to Steve Cook for joining us here on the podcast. And uh, again, a, just a, a very entertaining discussion uh, with Steve. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that one, uh, as you could tell. And uh, be sure to check out all of his great work. Uh, we'll put the link to all of that in the show notes where you can find his work on 411 Mania. Uh, and as always, uh, we'll also have uh, the link to the GoFundMe for Larry Zonka's family. Uh, so be sure to check that out as well and continue to share that. Uh, if you can, uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you use, uh, just search for 411 on wrestling. That way you can subscribe and catch all the episodes that we have coming up here on the podcast with some very fun things uh, that we have in the works. Uh, we're really kind of playing around with the format a bit, seeing what we enjoy. Uh, we've also got some other ideas, but uh, we have a lot of fun stuff uh, planned here for the podcast. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Uh, and for everything else, 411mania.com. Check out all of the great work that we have going on over there. Of course, our weekly written reviews for all the big shows, Raw, SmackDown, Impact, AEW, you name it. We've got all the great reviews over there and live coverage, so you can check out everything going on uh, at 411mania.com. Lots of columns uh, as well. Uh, As I teased, uh, I've got a column coming up uh, on AEW and the women's division and some other things also going on over at 411mania. And as we continue to push as well, the YouTube channel. Uh, Our subscribers going up quite a bit now with a lot of different stuff we're adding to our YouTube channel. Of course, Dissecting Dynamite. That is our weekly post-show for AEW Dynamite. Right after the show goes off the air, you can check out Andy Perez and his guest host uh, there, which Steve was the most recent one. Uh, you can check that out on the 411 YouTube channel, Wrestle Takes Mania, uh, the new show as well, uh, with the guys on there you can check out on YouTube. Uh, so be sure to subscribe everywhere you can to, to keep up with everything we have going on at 411 Mania. So uh, thanks, as always, uh, for listening to the podcast. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>